Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are on the sidelines with the sideline guys. And of course, I am joined by the one and only, my brother in Negron arms, Sean Negron. How's it going, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. This is a very exciting yet nerve-wracking weekend for, for me with this card coming up. Being a Mexican, it's uh, there's, there's some Mexicans on these uh, main events, co-main events, so it's nerve-wracking, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see what uh, what's going to happen. Dude, this is a huge one for Mexican MMA. There's so many good Mexicans on this card. And and there's and there's more to come, right? So you want to keep that momentum up. So I can only imagine the pressure you're feeling. Funny enough, uh, whenever I think about events like this, right, I'm always like, you know, ah, oh, this is this is one of my favorite fighters. This is one of my guys. But then I always like take a step back, right? And I'm like, no matter what happens, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a fucking great time anyway. Like I remember great example of this, uh Izzy versus Pereira won. Um, I, we were watching the fight, me and my, me and my mom, funny enough, and she's a big Izzy fan as well as well. Both of us sort of sharing that. And after he got knocked out, I like got up and I was like screaming, going crazy. And the look of betrayal, like on her face, like she looked at me and then she was like, you, you were rooting for him. And I was like, no, I was like, I, you just got to appreciate greatness. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and that's how I feel about it. I, obviously you got your guys that you love. Uh, but the sport is just too crazy, right? To get down about uh, certain things like that, you just gotta, you just gotta take it for what it is. So, hopefully, we won't end up in that scenario this weekend. Uh, but there's so many good fights to talk about, man. I'm just excited to jump right into it. So, if you can't tell, this is a very special MMA edition of the TSG, and uh, let's just get right into it, man. I think the first fight on this card that I wanted to discuss um, comes. I think it's the first fight of the regular prelims we've got number 14th ranked jimmy crute coming up against alonzo menafield both at light heavyweight um first of all i i just gotta say this is a car crash matchup this this was uh purely bring the violence boys uh so i'm interested to see how you feel about this matchup this is tough this is uh gonna be very very close i I have this way, like the way you were saying about how Mexican fighters, this is like, you know, been their years, kind of like their time. I feel that way for Australian fighters. And this is like an Australian card in in a way. And um, I know they have the card 293 in Australia, but this is, I feel like you have that feeling. I feel like the wave is going to continue. And I have a really good feeling about Jimmy. And I, I'm, I'm like, scared of Alonzo's strength and like everything he does I don't know this is this is really a tough one. I didn't expect him to make this fight like now mm-hmm. so I'm gonna ride with Jimmy but this is uh I could I could 100% see Alonzo taking this one what do you think man yeah I I'm a big fan of Jimmy Crute too I think I've been very high on his upside for a long time now but uh funny enough um kind of get the feeling right that with all due respect right um he hasn't been able to sort of live up to that potential um and remember this is the second time they're fighting now if i'm correct um yes this is the second time they're fighting uh the first time um it came to a draw 
Uh, I didn't think it was a draw when watching live. <laughs> Funny enough, I was kind of leaning more towards Menafield just because the big shots he was landing and the damage. Um, but I, I, I don't know what it is, man. I think if you ask me, right, my head pick, right, what I would think based on what how I usually look at the sport, I would side with Jimmy Crute just because of the upside, especially in the grappling. Um, but I just this is unfortunate, right? Because you, you like to bet on guys' developments. I just feel like I've seen enough from him at this point in his career to kind of have a firm idea that although he has those skills, can he reliably use them for 15 minutes? I'm not sure. Um, and unfortunately, he sort of boned me in situations like this before where you, you think based off of all the intangibles, based off of all the skills we see that he should be able to execute. And then unfortunately, these fights just slip away from him, man. He's still a very young guy. Uh, but I just feel the same way. And the funniest thing is you kind of feel that way about both these guys, right? Like none of these guys are known for their consistency. Um, but in this matchup where we've seen Jimmy Crew get hurt in multiple fights, right? Um, I just I just have that feeling that it's going to turn into that same brawl that it did the first time. And me personally, like I said, I, I scored the first one for Menafield despite it being a draw. So I'm leaning towards Menafield on this one. Um, I would love nothing more, right, than to see Jimmy Crute execute on his potential. Uh, but I just am not confident enough uh, with what I've seen so far, man. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not confident Jimmy Crute beyond this fight. He doesn't really, like Dana White says, move the needle. He doesn't move the needle for me. But I don't know, you know, like I I'm I am really in into this wave of Australian fighters right now. This is probably the best it's been in a long time and you know jimmy you know losing to jamal hill and then uh anthony smith before that he's fought the best of the best and i when it comes to alonzo like i feel like he's way better than jimmy i've always felt that way but i just feel like alonzo never taps in to what his true potential could be mm. and like yeah he's gotten some he's gotten some knockouts and you know some pretty devastating ones but I just feel like it's ne like you never get that oomph from him. You never get that like, oh man, like he's just gonna go out and just full on attack. It's gonna be his show. The whole you're like, you feel like you sit there waiting for it. You know, you're hitting your middle of round two, and you're like, when's the dog coming? Like, come on, man. Like, you know, like I I don't mean to be harsh on him, but sometimes strategy can just mess up a fighter, and I feel like that happens to Alonzo sometimes. And I expected Alonzo to kind of roll through these unranked you know, light heavyweights, I guess, you know, early on. Mm -hmm. But it's been um it's been underwhelming so far. But I feel like if he gets a, you know, dominant, devastating win now, maybe that will spark him to, you know, be on the come up. Because he's he's right there for being in, you know, ranked. If he wins this, he probably will be fourteen, thirteen yeah. from there. Yeah, man. This is such a toss up dude. And and these are the fights that I love too, because you, you, there is no firm understanding of how this fight's gonna go. Like both, both of these guys could get a first round knockout, and I will not be surprised at all. Um, it's yeah, just I that love kind of matchup. Like it's where you you really are like sitting there, you know, like leaning forward uh, at at the uh, at the living room table. You're just like, come on, oh, oh, whoa, <laughs> you know, you're sitting there like, oh man, like what's gonna happen when you have fights like that? Even where the live betting odds are that close. It's it's always those are my favorite fights where any second anything can happen and then you really see 
who's the better fighter in those moments. And the fact that we're getting a second fight between these two because there was a draw, you know, this is the end. This is the finale of this, whatever if you want to call it a rivalry, whatever it is. But this is a nice uh, way to start the prelims off for sure. Hell yeah. And we say that now and then it ends by, via eye poke in 20 seconds and we get a third one. But <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. It really does sort of remind me at my core why I enjoy MMA so much. And I think it's really because um, the live aspect of it. I enjoy watching fights on tape, of course, watching back fights. But when you're sitting there and you're anticipating, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't you didn't get an alert on your phone on who won. Right. And you're just watching. Uh, you're watching it unfold for the first time. There's some real theater in that, that unless you're you're hooked in like we are, uh, you can't really get how, how special those moments are. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. So just to be sure, um, your pick is Crutes. Did I get that correctly? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Awesome. Put awesome. it in the books. <laughs> yes, sir. Next up, we got a fun one right here, man. I know, I know you're going to love this one. You ready? Let me let me see. Rate my pronunciation first. We'll start there. Yasmin Haregi versus Denise Gomes. Right? Look, look at that. Look, that's, look that's, at that. That was pretty solid. I'll give it to you. That was nice. <laughs> uh, obviously, two prospects in the division. One from Mexico. One from Brazil. I, I'm pretty sure I know where your your heart lies. But I will start by saying this. Right? Um, this is a fight that on paper right if you look at the betting odds is not close i believe yasmin is a minus 400 favorite and a lot of people have been very high on her i think i am too right but we have seen her lose right we have seen her lose so i think that's important uh to sort of air out there right we have seen this happen in the ufc right based off of whatever things happen of course you i feel like most of the time you like to see a prospect get that sort of loss out of the way right um just so that they're able to to learn from it because I think there is valuable lessons to learn, um, especially having that adversity in the octagon in the UFC. Um, but hard to hard to go against Haragi in a spot that feels like it's sort of tailor made for her to win, right? Yeah, definitely. I I I don't know if you're picking opposite of me, but I just I don't know. I I'm I'm like yes, because she's Mexican, so I have to go yes, mean, but. I don't know. I I think she's a, a rising star. Let's say she could definitely. I no one's no one is truly undefeated in MMA. I that's how I always felt. You could be undefeated, but no one's really undefeated. There's very few. You I guess you could say Khabib and you know whoever else is out there. John Jones, even though he does have a loss, he's not really. But like everyone loses, and but I I oh, Yasmin is so mean there you go see look at that i made a rhyme it's she's she's pretty devastating and uh she's got some crazy power and i expect honestly i expect tko second round early nice and i i just want to be fully transparent i am a fucking idiot and i totally capped this incorrectly i was talking about a completely different fighter just now so I'm sorry, full disclosure, I was actually talking about, um, let me pull up her name so I don't mess this up again, Jacqueline Amarim, so I don't know why the fuck that uh, factored that was, into my analysis, I was thinking, that was I was horrible. confused, I was thinking this whole time, I'm like, have you seen her lose in like some grappling match, I'm like, what are you what? talking about, bro? I was like, I haven't Please, seen her call lose. Me out. Call but... me out, because that was horrible. No, because I'm thinking I'm really you're sorry. watching some, uh, you know, like the the you know UFC fight pass grappling, and I'm like, is she part of the grappling? I'm 
I'm looking it up myself. Like, was there, was there a grappling match? I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, no, you're a hundred percent correct. I get, I get these. Sometimes it's hard, right? There's a lot of fighters oh, in the UFC. God damn it, so many, too <laughs> so, many at times. Reframing my analysis here. Obviously, the big KO against Estella Nunes last time out. Um, I'm, I'm more concerned, right, about the hype job. I feel like a lot of these fighters, um. We, we see the potential, right? And we start anointing them as people that we're not really sure they are just yet. Um, but with all that being said, this is a spot for her to win. This is a good a good spot. Um, I think Denise Gomes is nails. Like, let's get that shit straight. Denise Gomes comes to fight. Uh, so it, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but I think her style is definitely going to play into how to geese. So sorry for my failure of an analysis. It still uh, leans towards the same fighter. I got how to here. Yeah, you know what? I'm not gonna be upset about what you just said, but that's okay. It's uh I'm I'm really excited for, for this because I feel like it could be a spark. People don't believe me when I say these things where I feel like if wherever you represent, whoever you represent in the early prelims or even the prelims, if the if the fans are with you early on, that could set up the rest of the night. And I feel like we saw that when we were in uh uh, I believe it was Canada. I think maybe it was UFC 289, but I feel like there was another event too where the Canadians just rolled through, right? And by the time you got to like the fourth or fifth Canadian fight, the fans were so in on them winning just because of, you know, it's in Canada. But like, I feel like if that can be the start, you know, Mexico can have a nice night there. You know, the other Mexican fighters who will be in the back waiting for their turn will probably take that and have that much more spirit going into their fights. And I feel like you can get a nice clean sweep, which I'm going to pick the four of them. I think we're, I think there's four of them picking uh, mm -hmm. fighting, you know, like I have, I think that starts, you know, a trend and I feel like Yasmin's going to start it off and uh, get a nice dominating victory. And, De and Denise is no, uh, nothing to sneeze at either. She's, she's dominant too, but, I feel Yasmin is as crisp as, as a prospect as you can get right now in the women's strawweight division. And I think we see that uh, unfold right in front of us, you know, and I feel like people will start paying attention to her starting Saturday night. I love it. I love it, man. I agree 100%. There are five Mexicans on the card, uh, so I won't be surprised if we see that. Two of them we're, right. we're leaving out for picks purposes, so don't, no, don't sweat it at all. Uh, two of them are on the earlier prelims that we're probably not going to get to talk about too much today. Um, but I agree with everything you said, man. I think momentum is very real in this sport. And a lot of the times people take that for granted. Right. And honestly, I think Las Vegas is the perfect place to hold these events. Right. Because there's a lot of fans that are willing to travel in that area from California. Right. Um, I'm not sure what the population looks like in Vegas itself, but they travel. So I, I think it's going to be a home, uh, a sort of homecoming moment, uh, for all those Mexican fighters. So, Looking forward to that. The next fight we have was so close to being one of the best, if not um, one of my favorite fights that that is going to be put on this year, right? It was supposed to be Jack Della Maddalena versus Sean Brady. Unfortunately, Sean Brady has an elbow injury um, that 
at the moment has his elbow looking absolutely huge and disgusting. So wishing him nothing but the best in his recovery. The replacement fighter in this one is Josiah Harrell. Um, full disclosure, I have not seen Josiah fight. Um, I believe his nickname is the Muscle Hamster, if that provides you any context, right? I think I think it's fair to say, right? I'm going to be just blanket, eyes closed, picking Jack Della, just because obviously we know who he is. We've seen him perform against great fighters at this point and people like Randy Brown. Um, I'm a fan of his rise, and I was really looking forward to seeing him get tested at that next level, especially in the grappling. Um, but coming up against a, a lightweight who's coming up in short notice to fight, um, it just feels, once again, tailor-made uh, for him to, to advance. So I won't be surprised, once again, if, if Josiah shocks the Royal, just because I am very unfamiliar with his game. Um, shout out to Shaq, right? Sorry, brother. I'm just not, I'm not familiar with your game. Uh, but uh, I'm picking Jack Della here. Uh, but honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing this fight because no matter what, when he fights, I'm tuning in. I don't care who he's up against. It is. It's always tough. And and you know what? The other thing too is that I don't. I don't. I get it in some respect where fighters don't want to take a short notice fight. But I always feel like when you take a short notice fight, if you're relatively close to within weight, I feel like it's a win regardless if you lose because if you show out, your stock rises beyond what you would have done on any other fight and even if if you win like holy moly what you know like what the heck just happened i can't believe it and while i don't think jack's gonna lose this fight by any stretch this could this could be very lopsided you know the fact that there's four inches of height the reach is five inches you know i don't even know how how much of a difference is going to be when it comes to fighting styles and experience here this could be like a ultimate fighter sort of situation where you know the veterans are just beating up on the prospects so bad that it's just embarrassing to watch the ultimate fighter is just embarrassing right now we could see that but i i expect jack to oh man if, if this isn't first round then second round quick because and it stinks because i was really 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 excited for sean and this fight and uh this will happen again and hopefully it happens soon. Maybe they'll throw this in a 293 card now and, uh, you know, make that fight even more exciting. They, they are throwing a, a bunch of fights on there now. So we could see that move for three months. And I, I expect Sean to be fully ready to go by then. So maybe that, that happens. Maybe Jack doesn't take that much damage and gets ready for a fight in three months. And, it, you know, we just wait a little longer. So that's what I'm hoping here. Uh, I, I hope the best for Josiah and his career, the fact that he's getting a UFC opportunity is incredible. Uh, you know, it's you can't ask for for anything better at this moment in time. Take a short notice fight. Your name is out there for the whole world to see, especially against Jack Delamont. I can never. I'm not. I'm not saying these names anymore. I can't do it. It just it, it, and they're so easy. I just can't do it. I just, you got you got to have the rhythm to dude, it. That, that's what I gets just, you through it. I know. I dude. I don't understand it. I I I I spit up on my own word on my own name. I I, I can't even do it anymore. <laughs> but I expect Jack to just roll through and we move on to Sean Brady and, and Jack in, in hopefully three months. Hey, dude, ain't nothing wrong with going with a little JDM, right? So you could, you could throw a little JDM out there. It saves you the trouble. But, but I, hey, I promise you, this this helps. This this I got you right now. You ready? Ready? Jack Della Madalena. You got you got to in Madalena. <laughs> and I know how to say you gotta, it. You I just can't it, say it fast. Jack Della Madalena. 
Gotta That's let it, it flow off the tongue. Jack della Madalena. Like, I'm like <laughs> meeting a friend for the first time. Jack della Madalena. I can't I can't do it. I can't do it any faster than that. <laughs> I don't blame you. Shout out shout out to his brother too, Josh Della Madalena, right? It, it just keeps going. The world keeps on turning. Um I'll be interested to see if after a few fights back, um the UFC tries to sign him too. Right now he sits at three and two, right? So he needs got some work to do. Uh but a middleweight nonetheless, and uh someone that Jack keeps propping up as, as someone to look out for in the future. So I think, think it was worth mentioning that here. But once again, we sound like homers, right? If, if he ends up getting cooked in this bout, we're going to look fucking dumb. But we're we just going with the information we have, right? It's safe to assume, like you said, on short notice, um, it's safe to assume that JDM is going to come through. Uh, but like you said, either way, stock sort of rises, right? This is the first first we're hearing of Harold, right? So... If he if he doesn't absolutely get sparked in a couple seconds like Pete Rodriguez did, um, I'm pretty sure uh, we'll be talking about um, his future in the UFC as well. So, next up, this this one's a little scary, man. This one has immediate feels potential for me at least. We've got Robbie Lawler in his retirement fight going up against absolute wild man <laughs> Nico Price. Um, I'll let you take the lead on this one, man. Um, are you emotionally prepared? Because I'm not. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not prepared. This is it, this is tough, man. You really feel I, I don't know if maybe you think differently. And I, I've talked to some people about this. Some feel this way. Some don't. But, you know, he was at the prime and, and, and not even he wasn't even a champion yet when I started watching. And. When I saw his come up after his second return to the UFC, that's when I really started to get into Robbie Waller. And the fact that now it's over, it's so such a weird feeling. It's too weird. It's something I'm, I don't want to see. I felt this way when Donald Cerrone, uh, Donald Cerrone retired, but Donald Cerrone needed to retire. Like That was something I was fully prepared for because it was like, you're losing six in a row, bro. Come on. like I love you to death, but Put the gloves down. Like it's, I don't want to see this get worse. Robbie, yes, I'm not overly fond of him continuing to fight because I feel like he's definitely a step slow now. Mm-hmm. I am not ready and prepared to watch his career end on Saturday. It feels like time has gone by too fast, and then I'm getting. But <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big fan of Nico as well. But you know what? And I would pick Nico if it were any other. If we were any other situation, but I desperately want to see Robbie just go all out. Last fight, and he's that type of dog. Like he will, he doesn't matter if you flatten his nose to his upper lip. It doesn't matter to him. Hmm. So I expect him to go all out. Hopefully the chin can can stick with him because he's gonna go guns blazing. Hmm. And I expect this fight to only go around five minutes. And I'm hoping Robbie, Robbie Waller's on the other side as Dude. a champ, as a winner, as a champion in our hearts. <laughs> I love the way you set the table because I couldn't agree with you more, man. My A big part of my fandom is because of Robbie Lawler. There was moments I remember vividly, right, watching Hendrix 1, Hendrix 2. Um, those were the, some of the first fights that really sunk my my feet into the sport that I was watching. And I was like, like, you get this feeling, right, uh, often. For me, at least, but specifically when Robbie Lawler fights, I've got this feeling where I'm like, man, I can't miss this shit. 
Like, I, I cannot, I physically will not allow myself to miss this week's card because the the amount of things that can possibly happen is beyond my imagination, right? I'm such a big fan of what he's been able to accomplish and his story, like you said, coming back after sort of being, let's call it like it is, a journeyman, being looked at as someone that wasn't ever, ever going to be able to sort of get past that upper echelon in the division. And then when he came back, that run, Matt Brown, uh, going through a whole bunch of different just killers at 170, um, it changed it changed what you thought was possible, right? This was the original yep. Charles Oliveira storyline, right? This yes. was the original someone who's been around for so long that just finds a way to 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 gear themselves up for the run of their career and and become a champion off of it. And he actually became a mainstay in welterweight where defended his belt multiple times and in absolute fucking wars every single time. Um obviously not not good for your your health and not good for your career prospects, right? To be in fights like that. But as far as what he's delivered to the fans, right? I think we're forever indebted to Robbie Lawler. Uh, such a big fan. There's so many different moments you could think of, right? Shout out, shout out RDA, Hobby Lawler. Um, there's there's just so many different errors, right? Of, of Robbie Lawler fights that I've been a part of. That I agree with you, man. My heart is fully with him in this one, but unfortunately, um, I'm gonna have to pick the wild man out of Florida, Nico Price. Hmm. Um, I think this mm. actually is not going to end in the first round. I think this is going to be very similar to his fight with Cowboy, where it almost kind of feels like, and, and don't get me wrong, don't give me the side eye here, but it almost kind of feels like mm. Nico's carrying a little bit, right? Where, where, where Nico's allowing certain certain exchanges to to pass him by instead of fully sort of letting himself out there. I, I, I think, don't get me wrong, right? I'm not trying to say anything shady, but I I feel like against, against Cowboy, he sort of carried Cowboy a little bit, right? Carried him to definitely. the decision. Almost definitely. So that, so that we don't go home sad at night, right? And I'm pretty sure it's going to be a similar situation here. Skill for skill, um, championship level, Robbie Lawler, um, this ain't even a fucking conversation, right? No. Like, this is just a different, it's a, it's a complete different uh, situation, but... Because we're we're living in the world we live in now, um, I just can't with good faith pick Robbie Lawler. Um, after what to. we've seen, I mean, even <laughs> like you have to. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna win, but I'm picking him, and I <laughs> you have to. Uh, you know, like when I saw Robbie Lawler just fight Nick Diaz, the first one incredible. The second one was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. That was a <laughs> slow motion fight, both of them, and 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 Nick Diaz was clearly in slow motion. That fight was embarrassing. But I was so excited because I was like, they get Robbie Lawler a win. That's like a guaranteed W. But mm -hmm. after that fight, I was like, yeah, any real competition, I don't see. Because Nick Diaz didn't look like he was prepared for the LFA, not even the UFC. So mm -hmm. that fight and then going into Nico is – Nico definitely carries. Definitely yeah, that's what carries. I'm saying. Like, I, I'm a – Definitely. I'm realistic here, right? And seeing him Definitely. get TKO'd by Brian Barberina, that shit hurt. Like that, that's that's a fight, right? That's that's a sort of, and I hate to to slander his name, right? Because I think he deserves a lot of glory in this sport as well. But that's a, a sort of a BJ Penn moment, right? Where you're watching somebody lose, and you're like, man, kind of sucks, right? Like it, we we shouldn't have seen this based off where he was in his career, right? And that's no hate yep. to Brian Barberina, right? It's just. Yep. Giving props to one where, where Robbie Lawler really was in the sport at one point. Um, 
I don't think he looked that bad against Nick Diaz. Um, I just think oh. it was so bad because of how bad Nick looked that it kind of changed yes. the perspective. I felt like Robbie things. was carrying him on that one. He was just yeah. trying to be like, come on, man. Okay. Make this a little competitive. Hit me in the jaw or something. Nick. Like, <laughs> come know, on, man. Make it happen. <laughs> like, it was sure. just so slow. I, I couldn't believe that. And, like, first, Nick didn't look right. And then I felt like Robbie was trying to look at him like, like Dana – you want to fight because this is the same motion here. This this doesn't look right, and this like for this fight, I don't want this to be like a Frankie Edgar situation where I, I always like Frankie Edgar. He's you know he's from Tom's River, New Jersey, but he basically fought out of right where, right near where I used to live when I was a kid, and very local guy, big fan of his. I wasn't like over the moon over Frankie Edgar, but. You know, seeing him lose Cheeto the way he did, and then he was only fighting in New York City, and then Chris Gutierrez after that, I was like, oh, this it's so tough to watch. And I just feel like that's what's about to happen to Robbie, where, you know, the fight game is not nice to you when, you're, when your time is up. You're not going to go out on top, even if you lose. You're not going to go out with your hands up. Like, yeah, you know, great career. You're probably going to get knocked the fuck out. And then you're going to have to, you know, wake up a little bit just enough for Joe to ask you one question, even though he regrets doing it, you know, like that's where I fear this is going to go. And it's tough because Nico's way better right now, but I I just want Robbie to just go all guns blazing. Like he used to, you know, five, 10 years ago and just let it all go. Everything mm-hmm. you've ever done in your entire career, every, all the training, all the nonsense, everything, mm-hmm. just let it all out. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just go. And Dude, I hope it's it's with a W. I agree with you 100%. I, I do not doubt that Robbie Lawler is going to fucking let his soul out there tonight, I, I, Saturday night. I do not doubt that at all. Um, I just feel like we're in for another sad night, right? Uh, I just got to be transparent. I'm picking Nico I Price. It. It's sad, right? But I know who I'm rooting for, right? I, I know as soon as he's landing shots, I know I know I'm going to be jumping on my feet uh, with you by my side, by the way. I, I hype to mention I'm going to be uh, with my guy, Sean, to be watching these fights in That's person. Right. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be dope. You're going to get to see a little bit more of the of the reactions that, that, that we've had. We Obviously, we saw that when we were at B-dubs, but... <laughs> Uh, th- this fight feels like uh, a little bit more is at stake, right? So there's so much uh, yes. stuff from the top to the bottom that to look forward to in this one. So uh, going to be a sad time, but a fun time nonetheless. Next up, uh, Bo Nickel versus Val Woodburn. Originally, this was supposed to be one Treshawn Gore. Um, but I think <laughs> I think the desired result remains the same, right? We're trying to. We're trying to shoot uh, Bo Nickel to the moon here, and uh, we'll use any any sort of cannon fodder we can along the way to get him there. From what I understand, Val Woodburn coming in on short notice is a landscaper, um, so doing big things for the landscaping Literally. community right now. Um, I don't, I'm not saying this right to throw shade or to hate or whatever, but um, I don't like when the UFC does this, and and this is me personally, right? I think. There's a certain level of fights that are expected, right? And 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 once again, you say this, but the Mickey Galls of the world will look at you with a side eye, right? But I just feel like there's a certain level that needs to be in the UFC, right? Where if you're not at that level, um, it's very obvious that they're sort of 
propping you up, right? Giving you favorable matchups along the way. And it's not that I'm saying Bo Nickel should be fighting a top 15 guy. I don't agree with that either. It's just there's a time and place for skill development at this level. And I think from what we saw in his last fight against Jamie Pickett, dominant win. Don't get don't get me confused here. Um, but I thought there was some moments in that finishing sequence where you saw the inexperience, right? You saw that this is very new to him. And there was a little bit of hesitancy on my part, not to say, Hey, this guy's not a good prospect, but almost like maybe we should be pumping the brakes here. He's talking about fighting Izzy, right? He's talking about being on that level. And clearly the matchmakers um, are slow rolling him, right? Which is the right thing to do. I just feel like it's not the right thing to do in the UFC. Um, just because, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he is the largest favorite ever recorded in UFC history after the opponent change at minus 2,400. Um, his, his opponent is a plus 1200. Um, so man, I, I got $2. I, I I'm confident I'll never see again that I might just throw on Val Woodburn, but, um, <laughs> I think there's no way you pick against Bonecco here. Yeah. No, you, I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm throwing five bucks on Val just to see what the heck happens. Because what if, what if something miraculous happens, which it won't, but it really is miraculous. It's a miracle. If Val pulled something off like this, you know, Val hasn't fought in almost a year and he hasn't had a knockout in over two years. So you basically found him probably from someone from the inside source inside, you know, the, the war room was like, Oh, I just saw this guy. Oh, I know a guy that knows a guy. And so he's just thrown in. You couldn't, you literally couldn't dream. As a pro, not even a prospect, as an amateur fighter, because you got to think he's an amateur, right? You can't call him a prospect yet. He, he's fighting in combat night, like he's not even. He, he literally is a combat night. That that's pretty freaking low, and I'm not trying to be rude here, but that's as that's pretty low on the totem pole of of uh of places to fight. Can't think of words, but. To then get a call within the same week to be like, hey, do you want to fight Bo Nickel? The world knows Bo Nickel on the main of main card at UFC 290. Let it all hang out. Do you? Absolutely. I take that fight. I'm going to get absolutely demolished, but everyone knows my name. I get a better check than I ever would in those seven fights that he has. And the only reason Val is getting this opportunity is because how nice it looks to have a 7-0 Versus Bo Nickel, who I believe is, what, 5-0, 6-0? You know, like, when you have two undefeated fighters, it looks nice. If Val had one loss to his name, he would have never been chosen. But because you can now sell this narrative of undefeated fighters, this is going to be such a blowout. Dude, it's going to be what Unless Val, who I have yet to see fight. I, I was looking up his YouTube highlights. I've seen a little bit, not actual full 15-minute fights. But he's got some crazy knockout power. But I just think that there's totally different levels. And just like I was saying, with Sean Brady pulling out, and that it looks like the the uh, what do you call it? Prospects versus veterans and tough. This is exactly what we're gonna see. Except the prospects would beat up on Val. And that's what we're that's that's unfortunately what we're gonna see. This could be one of the quickest starts of a pay per view. And everyone could go home early because they're just going to, you know, the, the pay-per-view might end on time for once. 
because this first fight's going to be out of the way within two minutes. That's why. Can't blame you. Can't blame you at all for feeling this way. And I, and the reason why I feel I got a weird taste in my mouth is because, personally, I thought matchup wise, right? Jamie Pickett was a harder fight than Trayshawn Gore. So now you're getting an even easier fight than you were supposed to have. That, in my opinion, was an easy fight already. So, uh, yeah, man, doesn't sit right. Obviously, I love that Bo Nickel is willing to do this, right? There's a lot of guys that probably would be in this situation and say, nah, like, I'm not trying to fight somebody else. We'll wait. We'll reschedule it. And that's fine. Honestly, I feel like more fighters should do that when in this position. Um, shout out to the hobo cop, uh, Gregory Rodriguez. I actually ended up getting smoked in his last fight against um, someone. I don't know why I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, he most recently fought last weekend and actually got knocked out by a debuting ufc fighter in his own right so um you hate to see fighters that are in a good position in their career right um taking short notice fights and then ending up having a big setback because of it bruno uh bruno hulk um i don't know i remember his last name you're right there uh yeah i'm I'm so close ferrera bruno hulk ferrera you were right there i knew Um, it (laughs) it was coming it was coming uh, but as far as this fight, I agree with you 100%, man. It just, I, I can't blame, you can't even blame Bo Nickel for taking this one because it seems like it should be right up his wheelhouse, right? So um, as far as the prospect, Bo, Bo Nickel, before we move on, um, are you buying in the hype? Because honestly, I feel like, no. <laughs> okay, why not? Because I believe that UFC is, and, and we've had this argument, where I feel where, where there's legitimate UFC prospects and they kind of rush them. Mm-hmm. And I feel with Bo, they're doing the opposite. And I feel, I you know, right now at this moment, I don't see anything scary enough in Bo's game. He's an incredible wrestler, and so I'll give him that. But his stand-up, I think he would walk right through. Any legitimate top 20 guy would walk right through him. Honestly, that's just how I feel. And until I see Bo Nickel show it in, I would say, three, four more fights, unranked fights, because he better stay unranked. If he even if he even sniffs the top 15 before the, you know, three fights from now, I'll be upset because that's too much. You know, all the, you know how many how many fights these guys go through before the UFC even looks at him? You know, this guy has five career fights. And is this is the third one now, right, or the fourth one in UFC? Second, second. This is his only second. Yeah, because the other ones were wow. in Dana White's contenders. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. That's why. That's why I'm thinking about it. Yes, and so, first of all, that first fight was I felt supposed to be easy for him, and it was uh, a little harder than than people wanted it to be, which mm-hmm. showed the inexperience and the prospect in him, I guess, let's say. So right now, no, I do not believe in Bo Nickel at all. And I believe they're just going to keep giving him these sort of tomato cans. And like, and I don't mean tomato cans as in like they're washed up fighters, these fighters who are clearly not on his level so that he can keep winning to keep hyping up the UFC at the bottom of the main card and to get more pay-per-view buys. Pay-per-view buys. Because that's all this is. Mm-hmm. Bo Nickel would never sniff the main card ever if he didn't have the hype around him, right? So that's what I believe this is. It's all hype. And give me two, three more legitimate fights 
top 20 guys, top 25 guys, if he beats them, all right, I apologize. That's on me. But right now, no. Not, uh, no. No, not even close. I do not believe in Bo Nickel at all. That's the problem, too, right? They, they're, He's a middleweight fighter, and they have him fighting two guys that have mostly fought in the UFC at welterweight, right? So, exactly. like, it's a very strange situation. Um, I, I'm more of a believer than you are, it seems. Um, I think the biggest issue is his style right now isn't built for MMA. Like, his style is built for wrestling. Like, it, it's almost a... Um, it's almost like he's going out there and having grappling competitions. And I'm not trying to say that like to shade, right? But what happens just, if you go into one dude who's gonna stuff the takedown five times in one I, round? Then what? I don't think I don't think that's gonna be the issue, surprisingly enough. I don't think there's mm. gonna be a lot of guys in the UFC, even in the top fifteen, that are gonna stuff his takedowns. Like I think he has that level of wrestling. I'm just more concerned about sticking through a fight, especially past the first round, when you are facing guys that yeah, they might be overmatched, but they're not gonna take themselves out of the fight right they're they're gonna be in it and you have to make the right moves around them um i think that's when he's gonna really fall into trouble when he's forced to show his striking a little bit more and sort of get deeper into fights i think that's when we're really gonna learn what his prospect is right um as far as what we've seen right it makes sense why the hype is there like i I feel like it's warranted the hype um but at the same time like you said it's just the UFC is such a hard place to cultivate people in this position. Like, I feel like maybe even they could have gave them some more contender series opportunities, right? Against people that are more so on that level, or maybe even people like, I think me personally, and this is re changing the, the way the show works. Right. But I think Dana White's Tuesday night contender series, shout out to that long ass name. I think it should be almost like a double A for the UFC. I feel like there should be fights where people are still under UFC contract and are fighting on the Dana White contender series against prospects. I think that dynamic should exist because you already have the league, right? You might as well. And B, there's a lot of times where guys get cut. And in my opinion, I don't think they're deserving of being cut, right? Brandon Moreno is a perfect example of that. He's ended up becoming champ when he came back. So I just feel like there's a space for some veteran fighters, right? That might not be in the best spot in their career um, to, to try to find redemption against these prospects, but also a way to give these guys more experience without it feeling the way this feels, right? Because this one and the last one against um, Jamie Pickett, it just feels like uh, you're you're feeding someone their vitamins, right? And and ultimately, it's important for a fighter's development to get those kind of bouts. Um, it's just so far from what we're used to in the UFC. Yeah, and and the fact that this is a main card fight, it's this is tough. I, I don't like seeing fights like these. I I I kind of despise them. I hate seeing fights that are so one sided. I even sent you, I think I sent it to you today, or I sent it to my other friend, where just, like, I, when I look at fights that are not meant to happen, like, when Volkanovski fought Korean Zombie, you know, as a late replacement, Max Holloway, you're sitting there like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not what I want to see. Like, I, I'm excited to see the, one of my favorite fighters fight, but not this level, not against someone like this. Like, this isn't fun for me. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a stat win. Like, you know, you add to your stat. And that's why I think they kept the fight for Bo, because you add to the stat, you go from 5-0 and to 6-0. and And then, you know, you could get that much more experience under your belt. And, 
you know, you can, and also you go through that fight camp, you know, whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. It's really heartbreaking to be like, oh, yeah, the guy pulled out. We can't fit the fight for you. And now the camp's over. And that's tough. So I expect, I, I understand why they do it also for the pay per view buys and, you know, the hype. But this is, this is like one of those fights where you might see me because we'll be together that I'll just be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get some chips because this is gonna be hard to watch. This is this isn't gonna be competitive and it's gonna be sort of embarrassing. But it's it's for the hype for Bonick Bo Nickel. You'll see this on the hype on the uh, on the hype videos for his next fight. You'll uh, you'll see it. They'll be all over the place. So this is just one of those that you pad stats and um, keep it moving. For sure, survive and advance. That's the name of the game. So the next fight we have on the docket is an interesting one. I, I'm going to throw to you on this one, actually, because I don't know, man. I feel like both of these guys are kind of going in op- opposite directions. Uh, but at the same time, it can, can we could see a little resurgence. So we got Jalen Turner coming up against Dan Hooker uh, with the b- platinum Dan Hooker, I might add, with the, with the brand new blonde haircut. Not sure how I feel about it, <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. So matchup wise, um, how do you look at this fight, and how do you think it plays out? Do you think it plays out largely on the feet? Oh yeah, this is definitely going to be a slugfest between the two of them. None of them want to uh, wrestle or grapple or anything like that. I think for uh, Jalen Turner, his last fight, he wanted to kind of scrap, but he he had like a, a wrestling match. I think it was Gamera. I think he faced. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just too much grappling. And he wanted, he was trying to create distance. He was trying to separate, and he just couldn't do it. And that's how Gamrock got that win. But it was a close fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Dan is trying to establish himself back in like he once was back when he had that incredible run and then that unbelievable fight against Dustin Poirier. Even the, the Michael Chandler fight was a fun one. You know, like he wants to get back to that, you know, uh, fight of the nights being a top five contender like he once was and uh he he slipped a little bit and i to be honest with you going into this week i had him as a as my favorite but until i saw the platinum and then the (laughs) the uh the tattoos from the knees down i don't know if this dude's going through like a quarter life crisis or something but jesus I, i i'm not a fan of the tattoos that he got from the shins down uh, and then the platinum those. hair. Oh my gosh, man! You should see them. It's uh interesting to say the least. You'll see them on fight night. That's uh, you'll see that for sure. He's got like from knee down these like uh, full tattoos. Like uh, it looks like um like a warrior. Like when they wear the shin guards. Oh He's got, like, wow. Warrior shins, like tattooed on him, and I'm, and then the the long platinum hair. Now I'm like, bro, what's going on? Are you good? Tell us if you need us. Like blink twice. Like. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. You know, I, I I believe he is too dangerous for his own good. If that makes any sense. Where he is an incredible fighter, but I feel like he will never quit on himself, and that gets him into more trouble. And then the fact with you know he has he's been so unsure about the weight cut co- weight class and trying to just establish himself on where he thinks he can strive best and it just hasn't worked out. I I'm gonna still stick with Dan on this one wow. because I believe Dan 
has way better experience fighters and way better experience against top fighters. And this is exactly the type of fight Dan wants. He wanted someone who's going to throw down with him. And I believe no one does it better than Dan in when it's just a straight-up boxing match. And they're just scrapping, punching each other in the face. I believe Dan is one of the best in the business. And this is everything he could have wanted. And, uh, you know, it's hard to look at Dan's last five fights, especially the Islam fight. Like, you're fighting someone he definitely doesn't want to touch. And he, he just looks so overmatched. And now this is, I think, perfect for him. And I think Jalen Turner doesn't have that type of level of experience with those type of fighters yet. And I think Jalen's going to put on a hell of a fight. I just feel Dan is just a little bit better, has the edge on him. What do you think? Dude, I'm loving the reads. There's nothing worse than a hooker in a midlife crisis. Uh, but I but I have to say, man, I don't this this fight is so strange to me, right? Because this is the the match of the longest and gangliest fighters at lightweight you could possibly see, right? Um, but both of these guys don't really fight to their advantages when it comes to their um, long reach. They're not really great outside fighters. Uh, they tend to sort of crowd themselves into the pocket. So I agree. I, th I think this matchup could end up being a, a pretty wild exchange, right? An extended wild exchange. I agree with a lot of the points about Dan Hooker. I think on the feet, both of these guys are dynamite. Like, I, I think no, it it's kind of like flipping coins, right? On who's going to land in these uh, exchanges and who's going to come up on top of because of it. Um, I do, however, it's funny that you pick Dan Hooker because I'm not. I'm going to be picking Jalen Turner. But I do feel like Dan Hooker has more ways to win. I feel like we, Dan Hooker could show up, D1 Dan, uh, get a couple takedowns like he did in that Poirier fight, right? Uh, a, a great war, uh, but was able to sustain in some of those rounds by getting a takedown and getting some top control for a couple minutes. So I won't be surprised if I see that either. Um, I'm just so convinced that because both of these guys aren't too good like nobody nobody in these weight classes is used to fighting guys this height right but both of these guys are the same, relatively the same height i think jalen turner is a little bit larger um he i saw a picture next to him with him next to hamzad and holy shit the dude is massive right like he, he's even big for next to welterweights right and potential middleweights so i'm not confident right like i, I don't feel like I would bet money in either direction, right, on this fight. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Jalen Turner just because um, the intangible of, yeah, he hasn't fought these high-level fighters, but at the same time, there isn't that much tape out there on him like there is with Dan Hooker. I mean, you sent me the uh, the the video of Yair versus Dan Hooker. And that was way back when, almost like 2016 or something like that. That was the first time I ever saw Yair Rodriguez fight, by the way. Uh, funny enough, he threw the fuck up in the cage right after that fight. I don't know if you ever saw that or knew about that. Uh, but um, I just feel like Dan, there's so much tape out there on what Dan Hooker does. And I think being able to not have to worry about bringing yourself self into range against such a big fighter because Dan Hooker crashes the pocket. Um, it's just going to make things way easier for Jalen Turner. Now, if we were like, if we were, this is going to be a random thing to say, right? But if we were looking at both of these guys, as far as like playing a video game, right. And we're choosing career mode 
who would we rather go with? I think it's Dan Hooker. I feel like he could come out in this matchup with a smart game plan, fighting a little bit more from the outside, peppering with leg kicks, and then getting in on takedowns, that he could really make this fight look easy. Uh, but Dan Hooker's not known for doing that, especially not on International Fight Week. Uh, so give me Jalen Turner probably by knockout. Ooh, I like that. And and Jalen Turner's been uh, training with Hamza, like you were saying. So that definitely gives him some edge. But I felt the same way about what's-his-name before he got cut. You know, like, oh, you know, maybe he's going to come back. What the heck is his name? Uh, the middleweight who just got cut, who fought Driscus Duplessis last, and then he got cut because he lost. Um, uh, Brunson? No, 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 no. He His last fight, oh, my God, he's Before one of the then. most well-known. Scottish. I can't think Scottish of his name. middleweight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I could help you on this one. I'm, I'm no, lost. it's 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 fine. It's fine. It's whatever. Scottish but yeah, I've seen week. people who trains with Hamza. What the fuck is that? I have no clue. Very well known name. I don't know. I, I thought he was a welterweight, but um, oh no, yeah, no, he's a middleweight. What the heck am I talking about? He was a welterweight, but he is a middleweight. Oh my god, he's on the tip of my tongue. He's he's so rude to Ariel all the time on the shows. Oh. Darren Till, he's just... yes, thank you. Hey, he's thank a scouser. He's not Scottish, yeah. but yeah, whatever. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's the accent that throws me off. That's what it is. Yeah. But yes, it, it was. You know, like I thought, Hamza trains like an animal, and then I thought Darren Till was gonna be on. I didn't think he was gonna win, but I thought a better camp out of him, and like all that time off and rejuvenating. I thought. Like, oh, you know, what? whatever they're doing at Hamzat's camp, they're going to do right. And, you know, Jalen Turner's there. I know he trained with him for a while and uh, for this camp. And I am excited to see what he does that's going to be so different. But to be honest with you, like, I'm not one to look at records. But I'm a big fan of Dan Hooker's record because of his repertoire, of, because of the history and all of the – you couldn't ask for higher quality of people to fight throughout your career than his. Like, I feel like he's run into everyone that you know, and especially at this time, day and age. And Jalen is just starting to do that. And, yeah, I feel like careers are kind of uh, – obviously, they're colliding now, but, like, because Dan Hooker's on this decline. But I I, I don't know. You know, like, I, I'm not going to bet money because I'll lose and Dan Hooker will lose. And But um, I just have this strong feeling that Dan Hooker's going to turn it around and uh, get himself a nice win and show that he is a top eight, top ten guy. I like that, man, and I won't be surprised by it at all. I, I've been a, a fan of Dan Hooker for a long time, so probably uh, betting with my head and not my heart on this one, but uh, we'll move on to the next one. Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker coming up against the one true African, Dricus Duplessis. Holy shit. Um, is this a one-sided fight, man? I don't care what anyone says. Bet the farm to take everything and put it on Robert Whitaker because there is not a world that exists in which I would favor Drickus Duplessis to win against Robert Whitaker. I could see him even hurting Whitaker on the feet and still not being able to take him out of there. I mean, just look at um, that third round against Jaron Cannonier. Um, I see Robert Whitaker landing that head kick at some point. And if somehow um, Drickus Duplessis makes it into the third round, 
Um, he's going to be huffing and puffing. I don't care about your nose surgery. Um, and, and things are going to get really south for him. So give me Robert Whitaker in the distance. Yeah, I don't expect this to be a knockout in, uh, of any sorts. I think it's just going to be a clinic, though, for Whitaker. Whitaker's on a different level. Whitaker beats everyone but Adesanya. And I think that this would be the perfect setup to what we could possibly see with Whitaker's career. Because then this will set up the third fight between the two, between Whitaker and Adesanya after this. And then that will, I think, determine Whitaker's career. He loses that one. He really can't do much left in that division. And then if he wins, you just get this whole different rise back to the championship level. And I believe the only reason Duplessis is even thought about for this fight is because of the comments that he made. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, like that, it, that's pretty obvious. If he had never said that, we're not even talking about it, right? Like we're talking about probably Vittori or Cannoneer fighting them again, or maybe probably Vittori because that fight never did happen between Whitaker and was supposed to. Then it did happen after all that time. So I'm not really, I honestly don't know. Like what? I don't even know. And this is what brings up the other topic too: is that, like, what is, what is next, right? For if Adesanya is like allegedly for two ninety three, like what? Literally, how? Like, how would that work? And I just don't see a situation like this. Is just not competitive to me. Like, there's a lot of great fights on this card, and but this is not the one that I'm looking at. Like, oh man, this is gonna be crazy this is the before the title fights this is gonna be the one like i expect whitaker to just piece him up honestly and i think driscus is, is really really talented really talented but there's not much of like um a history to tell me differently right the darren till fight like i just brought up before like darren till is coming off of i think what four losses in a row not fighting for a year Darren Till looked horrible. He just didn't look like a UFC fighter anymore in that regard, like talent level. And then the Derek Brunson fight, I called that, I think, with you. Like Derek Brunson had kind of revealed himself later on in years what he really was. He's just gonna he's just gonna try to take you down. He's just gonna grapple, grapple, grapple until he can take you down and then just wrestle you. And if he can't do it within the five minutes, he is so gassed, he can't even lift his arms. And that's exactly what happens. Like Brunson has become just like a one round fighter. And that was still a great fight, but it just like it didn't it didn't tell me then and there like oh wow like that's the same thing that happened when Jared Cannonier fought Derek Brunson it was just like all right Jared avoided him for the first round and now he could just annihilate him so it's just I'm not convinced on Duplessis yet I like I really wish they would have made him keep going like a Duplessis versus Paula Costa type of fight that would have that would have excited me. That would have been like, all right, if he beats Costa, he's next. Like, that tells me. But to beat Derek Brunson, who's clearly on his way out, Dar Darren Till, who was literally already on his way out, and now you get, you know, like a number one contender fight. Like, you haven't fought the Cannoneers and the Vittoris and the Costas, even Sean Strickland after his latest win. Like, you know, those three, four guys, like, are telling me that they're better than him. If I had to make a choice, I'd say those four guys are already better than Triscus. So, hmm. I, I I think this is just a setup, honestly, to uh, uh, either two ninety three between Adesanya or sometime at the end of the year between Adesanya Whitaker three, and you know it's, I know you are a big fan of how that second fight went, 
and you throw Whitaker one. And so I think that's going to be like a Holloway Volkanovsky three sort of situation where this is it. You know, like the second fight was close, but the third one, we're just going to settle it right here and there. No more redos, no more fourth one, no nothing. Let's just do it because the division's sort of slowing down right now. I agree. Funny enough, I don't really think there's another option, right? Like, who who, are, who else are we going to? We're going to let Sean Strickland fight for a title? Um, yeah, honestly. <laughs> because they're, they're hyping him up so much, though. Like, he bro, just went on the so Joe Rogan cringe, experience. He's, just, he's, out, he's so out of his mind that he's going to talk <laughs> his way to a title fight. I'm telling you. I just, I see it coming. You know, I won't be I surprised. Think, yeah, I, I see Strickland maybe fighting one more time. But at the same time, it might work with what you were saying on the last show. Like, it, it might work with the timeline. Strickland just fought. He basically went untouched. The first, the first one, the first round was you know uh, a little scary, but he just pieced him up in the second. He looked basically untouched. Um, so it might work in Adesanya's favor, you know, to have that as a main event. Even though I, I don't think I would watch it. I don't think it's even remotely close talent level there. But it's mm-hmm. it's something because there's just no one else. Adesanya's beaten everyone. So it, that's what makes it, you know, these conversations so difficult. For sure. And I got my eye on a couple of different prospects of 185, but they just need to make their way through. <laughs> and that's the issue. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, man, especially when it comes to Drickus. I feel like he is the epitome of a middleweight fighter. And I know I talk a lot of shit about the middleweight division for someone who's such a fan of Izzy. Um, but it's just one of those divisions where you could see like physical attributes and specialized skill sets push you so far ahead in this division. It's kind of very reminiscent to um, women's uh, bantamweight in that way, just because you could, you could not be the best fighter in the world. Right. But uh, for a great example, Sean Strickland at welterweight, where, where the fuck was he? He was nowhere near uh, the upper echelon of, of welterweight fighters. Uh, But once he went to middleweight, he was able to find a lot of success with his style um, I just feel like it's such an in-betweener weight class um, that a lot of the people there are athletes primarily, right? Like not um, necessarily someone you would look at as the pinnacle of technique. Um, and it makes sense, right? How Izzy was able to craft such a reign um, in such a short time, right? And really clear out a division uh, when you consider who else is there. So, um yeah, this fight, honestly, this I will be more surprised if this fight was competitive than if uh, Pantoja wins against Moreno. Like, that. that's how one-sided this fight is, in my opinion. So um, we can move on from there, actually. Um, co-main event time, baby. It is that time. Uh, keep your pants on, because mine are, are coming off, okay? We've got <laughs> Alexandre. Pantoja coming up against the champ, Brandon Moreno, for the third time. The first time being in the Ultimate Fighter, so it's not on their official records. Um, Pantoja got the best of him in that one, as well as the rematch in Chile, which you were able to tell me, because I didn't remember that, on the on the Usman versus Maya card. Um, that one ended, of course, in another decision. So... I'm surprised. I'll start here by saying Brandon Moreno is about a minus 170 favorite. I was really surprised to see that. Um, so interested to hear your breakdown and how you think this fight plays out. Well, first, I want to ask you, why do you think? Well, I'm just looking at it right now. 195 minus 195. 
So mm, I want to ask you first, though, why do you think, why are you so surprised by those odds? Just because he already lost to him twice. I, I know that he's on the upswing as well, uh, but Pantoja is too, right? Um, I think the history needs to be taken into account, um, and I'm really surprised that it keeps going higher, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I see what you're saying. I, I, I think this is going to be an incredible, like I was saying to you on, I think, the last episode we did where this is sort of like a, like a, like a movie line ending, right? They see each other at the lowest of moments during, you know, of the UFC in the, the ultimate fighter trying to make it, you know, Pantoja wins, right? Then Brandon Moreno finds his way and makes it to the UFC. You know, he gets there, gets cut, comes back because the flyweight division was like, no one knew what was going to happen with that division at the time. So he gets cut, wins the LFA flyweight championships comes back to the ufc goes on this clinic loses i think it was i think it was after loses to pantoja again it's like they found each other again and then the rivalry was built like they saw each other a second time oh look they were ultimate fighter you know they fought each other in the ultimate fighter they lost uh moreno lost pantoja got the best of him again and then now moreno moreno's the champion right and he's proven it two-time champion he's fought uh, Davison four times, and in between that, four Kai Car France, and one with the nasty. I think it was a liver kick, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Nasty, and like I feel like this is the peak of peaks with Brandon Moreno. You know that that win against Kai, and then the the third round TKO doctor stoppage of against Davison in the fourth fight, just a dominant win over Davison in that one. I, I didn't even think it was close by the end of the third round, and. I just feel like this is his time, right? Like, this is probably, I don't think he even looks like the same style of fighter. Like, just in his mannerisms now, when you watch Brandon Moreno fight, he's got, like, that strut, like he does, like, with his hand. Like, he's always he's always doing this with his hand. Like, he's always, like, uh, doing some mannerisms. Or, like, he, he didn't do that back in when he fought Pantoja. He's fighting like this. He's constantly moving his hands like this. Like, he didn't know how to keep his hands up. And, you know, now I feel like Brandon Moreno's got this rhythm. He's got different coaches now. And even, but but I'm not taking anything away from Pantoja because Pantoja has, like, been, like, the silent killer. Like, he's just been silently climbing while the flyweight division has been so focused on with Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueroa and, like, a slight little taste of Kaikara France in there. It's been so much of just those two, maybe three, Pantoja's just been slowly climbing. So this is going to be an epic showdown between the two of them for their third time. I'm really excited for it and also extremely scared for it. This is the fight I'm most, most nervous about. You will see me probably sweating, not moving. That's how much, like, this is the fight I'm worried about the most and the one I'm focused on the most because I want Brandon Moreno to continue to rise for, for Mexico and the flyweight division. And I, I believe if Moreno can get through him, I he can get through anyone. He got through Davison, he's gotten through Kai. To get through Pantoja, I feel like you the flyweight division is, you know, in the palm of your hand at that point. And I expect him to get a win and I hope he gets a win. And I'm gonna say Moreno wins by decision. Uh forty eight, forty seven. Whew, that's a close one. I like it though. I like it. Um I would never 
I just got to say this because I love me some Brandon Moreno. Um, I would never pick against him, right? So I'm going to say that off the top, right? I just got to be transparent. I refuse. I will not. I'm going to be picking Brandon Moreno. Um, but like I said, there's so much value on Pantoja. I can't understand him being that large of an underdog. Maybe there's something out there that we don't know about, right? Like injury talk or something. You know how Vegas is. Uh, they get a word of things and, and we not might not be privy to it, but then we look back and we're like, oh, that actually makes a lot more sense. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said, though, especially on the feet. I think Brandon Moreno is really improved in another one of those fighters really that you could say changed the perception on himself, right? Like changed what you think is possible as far as career development. Like those things are all very true based on where he's come from and where he is now. Um, such a fan of what he's been able to accomplish and just the growth, right? Like sticking to it, uh, being fucking hard nosed, uh, his story in general, right? Uh, parents owned a pinata shop in Mexico, just, a uh, man that that has a verver for life, like a, just a, a really a really beautiful uh, story that uh, is very easy to root for. Um, I think Pantoja also is that dude. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I won't be surprised, honestly, if this ends in one round. <laughs> literally, literally ends in one round. Uh, just because we've been seeing him do that often, man. He has legitimate one-punch power on the feet at flyweight, which is scary, on top of some of the nastiest back tastes in the sport, not even just in this division, in the sport. In a division where everyone is known for their scrambling ability, he gets guys' backs, and they don't fucking get out. Like, it, it is prolonged periods of control, if not outright rare naked choke submissions. Um, I love his game. I love his his swag. I love, I love that he comes out to many men by 50 cent, just an all time walkout. If you ask me, um, I agree. This is going to be all the feels like when, when this fight uh, is it, going to be that time of the night. Right. I know, I know how it is. Sometimes you're watching these uh, fights at functions and things are, and everyone's kind of like, you know, doing their own thing. Me and you are going to be fucking dialed, bro. Just locked in um, because th this is a true main event worthy fight. And we get it as a co-main event. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I already told you guys I'm picking Brandon Moreno. Um, but I'm fucking scared. Like, this is, in my opinion, at best, a pick em fight. Like, that's how close this fight is, in my opinion. Especially because of what you're being asked to do, right? Like, you're being asked to overcome your kryptonite in some ways. So, holy shit. Um, if I was betting, I'd probably put some money on Pantoja, just because the money is there. Um, but give me Brandon I I Moreno. Might. Just oh, so nice. I lose. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh, a little sadness hedge never hurt nobody. Um, exactly. But g give me Brandon Moreno. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up by finish. I think uh, a late round uh, body kick or something gets the party started, and then he's able to get him out of there. So, Yeah, I think he's got to, you know, pull uh, an honest Sonya and say, I don't keep score. I settle them. That's what he has to do. I think Brandon Moreno has to go in there and end this rivalry if, if some sorts. And, and and you know what? Like I fear Pantoja even more because of the fact that when when Moreno had just beaten Davison at the fourth fight backstage, Pantoja was already coming up to him, congratulating him, saying, "Look, I'm really happy for you. Can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you. You know, make it's us. It's between us now. That was annoying. We got to do fun. Arthur fight. <laughs> and so I was like, damn. Like the fact that he just saw him beat Davison for the you know in the fourth fight, based almost three times. If you really want to say the first one, whatever, uh, 
that was like the first, I was like, wow, you know, you, you don't hear anybody from no one in the flyweight division was tweeting, nobody was saying nothing. And I, I, you know, Chael Sonnen was telling me about that too. Is the fact that, you know, uh, that Pantoja is so eager to get his hands on Brandon makes me think, like, all right, he's ready for this moment. Like, he's finally ready for this championship moment. Moreno's got the experience now. And I hope that it's not Moreno in the Davison 2 fight where, you know, Moreno was champion. And you could see on the embedded, like, he was a little different. I'm not trying to read too much in, into that. But you could tell Moreno went from being so hungry to be a champ. And he talked about it. They so hungry to be a champ. And then once you became champ, you kind of, like, take your foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. And, like, because you, you conquered it. And then the fact that Moreno, you know, put his foot on the gas pedal again, beat Kai, and then beat Davison for a fourth time. In the fourth fight, I mean. And now I hope he keeps his foot on the gas pedal. You know, you're a champion now, so defend the belt. Like, you got to defend the belt now. I and, love that point, uh, and I don't doubt it at all, just knowing that he yeah. has fully linked up with Safe Sayud at this point. He trained out of Vegas. I mean, Vegas, excuse me out of Dallas for this yeah. fight card. So I think that's important to note. Obviously, he was with James Krause and those guys, he who shall not be named at this point. Uh, they don't even say his fucking name on the broadcast anymore. Exactly. Definitely. Excuse Definitely. Me. So it's, it's a totally different um, camp. It's going to be a totally different brand Moreno there. And I'm very, very eager. It's all in your mind. You know, it's who comes out with the better mindset and uh whoever does that night will be champion i know and that's why this is so scary man because pantoja's oh, yeah. fucking bulletproof man you see you see yes. it in his eyes um, but anyone can be broken on any day for sure and that's sure. that's what i look at too because you know like after this fight who would you think is next you'd have to go with albazi right like you'd have to think he's <laughs> right there to be next so it, it doesn't get any easier here so you know like for someone like Brandon, I know you conquered it. And not only did you conquer it once, you conquered it twice. Now you have to build your legacy. Like you're here now. I'm not trying to make this like a UFC 4 moment, but you <laughs> became a champ. Build your legacy now. Get the red crown jewels on your belt. You know, remember these fights forever because well, at the end of it all, build yourself to be your, – your name is cemented in the UFC Hall of Fame. And this is, this is your moment. Starting now, this is your moment to build your Hall of Fame career. You're the first person to ever have a, a quadrilogy in the UFC. Followed now up by build a trilogy. Off it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So build off of it. Mm -hmm. And this is this is that moment right here. Dude, this this is an awesome fight. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, but we got one, one fucking amazing fight into one shit. I don't I can't even think of anything better, right? Spectacular. Um, main event time, 290. We've got Alexander Volkanovsky coming up against Yair Rodriguez, um, looking to unify the 145-pound title uh, since Yair has currently holds the interim belt after winning against Josh Emmett. Funny how those things plan pan out. Uh, but holy shit, uh, this is a scary one. This is this is another one too where I looked at the odds and I'm like, man, I don't know if minus 300 or so for Volkanovsky sounds right. Like this feels like a much closer fight than that. Um, I'll admit, I think this is probably, it has the potential for being his most dangerous fight, 
but it also has the potential for being one of his easiest fights, which is kind of kind of crazy to think about, right? I love Yair's adjustments later on in his career. I think he's really reined in, especially offensively, what he's willing to do. I feel like early on in his career, it was more of a death by a thousand cuts uh, sort of approach, where now I think he's really focused on landing the right shots at the right time to build on his offense, uh, which I think is just dangerous in MMA, especially when you consider, man, the dude is an insane athlete. Like, I don't I don't know of anyone who can keep that level of pace, especially with the kicking. Um, it's just so taxing to fight that way. And he never seems to be gassed, does it at altitude. Like, the man is just a different level as far as what he's able to do physically. Uh, but so is Volkanovski, right? That's what makes this fight so fun. Um, I think this fight plays out largely with Volkanovski pressuring and sort of reminiscent of early career Edson Barboza, right? Uh, refer to Michael Johnson versus Barboza, where if you stay in this guy's face, I think you really add a lot of problems to an, a style that's already hard um, to execute, right? Um, but at the same time, because of the height difference, right, there's such an advantage for Yair to just keep him at the edge of his strikes and sort of pepper pepper away at him, not even really full committal, as far as dropping uh, big body kicks like he did against Josh Emmett, I don't think he needs to blast through Volkanovski early. I think he could really keep him at bay early on and then start setting up those different um, head kick attacks from s starting by breaking down the legs, man. So I think this is an interesting matchup, especially on the feet, because it's really going to play out on who's able to maintain their range better and who's able to use their weapons from range um, in a more effective way. I just personally feel like after some time early on when things are a little dicey, I think we see Volkanovski get in his face, land some hard shots in the exchanges, uh, which Yair will probably laugh at because he has a granite chin. And then at some point, uh, Volkanovski remembers that he's been training grappling for his last two camps, and it's time to get Yair on the floor and start wrestling. Yeah, that's where... I uh, see this going. I think Yair is going to try to keep the distance. And honestly, I think Volkanovski is just going to swarm him and just constantly keep him away. And I think, well, obviously Volkanovski's got to do it, right? Because if we, if we keep this at a amateur level, right? Volkanovski is five, six, five inches shorter, right? He's clearly undersized in that regard. You know, and, and you know... You know that Yair has got the crazy legs. He's got keeps the distance really well, but I just see a situation where, just like you said, I think you nailed it perfectly. Where Volkanovski's kind of planning ahead and, and thinking about Islam, and you know, and I we talked about this in the last episode too, where you know he's grappling, 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 and I feel like now that he's prepared so much for, I think he could do that against Yair. And I think he would, I think that's what happens. I think it's a lot of grappling and wrestling and keeping it so closed off that Yair can't separate. And I'm not taking anything away from Yair. Yair is crazy in the ground game, too. Like he's not anything to sneeze at either. But I felt I like Yair a lot. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Yair. And like as much as I want, you know what? I'm gonna pick him because I do think Volkanovski wins, but I, I can't step away from the Mexican mindset. You just gotta 
stick to your people no matter what. Mm-hmm. And while I think Volkanovski wins, Yair is gonna be very interesting, even though I think his history of the last couple fights that he's had don't really help out his cause. I know the Josh Emmett fight is obviously everyone is you know it's what you what's you it's what you did in your last fight that really defined you right that's what people say mm-hmm. and I believe in that he absolutely demolished Josh Emmett to become the interim champ didn't even make it look close but it's the fight against Holloway that I think about too and and I think about the Ortega fight ending early and, and the Korean zombie fight that was a, a freaking battle until the last second literally like it's those type of fights and I know Yair is a different animal now. The altitude and the Aztec Empire that he's training at, and all the hype that's built around him. I love that. I really do. It like uh, warms my heart in a Mexican way. It's a, such a weird thing to say, but like I'm really excited for him. And I I hope to God he wins. But I believe Volkanovski is just on this completely different path. This is he reminds it's like a reminds me of like GSP in a way where. Like, you just know he's destined for greatness. And, like, there's just no one on his level. And while Volkanovski's testing himself, there was no reason to go to 155. He didn't need to do that ever. He could have wiped his division three times over, beaten beaten Holloway eight times, ten times, just to make a, a statement that he was forever cemented. But he just wants to continue to challenge himself. So I'm I'm curious to see how Volkanovski does now back 10 pounds lighter, how and what the game plan is. Is he going to swarm him like I think? Or is he going to want to stand there and, and, and bang with him? And that's that's what I'm interested in seeing. Can Yair create the distance to use his legs, to use his elbows, and, and maybe even take this to the ground and whatever and try some something there? I don't know. But Volkanovski's got these tree trunks. I think he's prepared <laughs> for any sort of leg kicks that come after him. And I think I think Volkanovski takes it, to be honest. I think it's unanimous. but. I think Volkanovski takes the win. Dude, I love your unbiased honesty. Uh, couldn't be me. I'm biased as hell. Um, Alexander Volkanovski, the first Macedonian champ. My girlfriend is from Macedonia, so you know I'm pulling for him in that way as well. Um, honestly, if early on in this fight, Volkanovski is not pressuring, um, I think I might live bet him that, that Yair is going to win. Because if... He is not in Yair's face and taking away um, the room for Yair to create opportunities. Um, I think it's going to be a hard, long night for him. Pause. Um, I, I just, I, I'm really worried about the exchanges on the feet, especially with how measured Yair Rodriguez looked against first Max Holloway, and then even more so against Josh Emmett. Uh, just a big fan of his development. But once again, <laughs> Volkanovski special, man. I think... People don't recognize how good he is for whatever reason. I don't, I don't, maybe because he's short. I don't know what the issue is. Um, but short King's got to prosper too. And this dude is someone that at that size, not only uh, doesn't have issues, but actually keeps his opponents at range. His, his longer, taller opponents at featherweight have had a hard time getting in on the shorter fighter because of how well he executes at range. So, um, just in my head, can't pick against him. Uh, but I feel like the narrative is there, right? He's 34, turning 35. Who knows, right? So something, something crazy could happen. Land a shot to the body that just changes the complexion of the fight. That won't be surprising either. Um, that's what just makes the both of these sort of title fights so fun, right? Like 
not only are they well-matched even fights, but they're also very dynamic matchups where at any point, uh, site could really change the whole story of the fight, man. So I'm pumped. I can't wait to see you on Saturday. It's going to be a great night. Is there any closing thoughts before we get out of here from you? I have a bunch of thoughts, but I'm, I do want to, I do want to bring this up to you. Uh, UFC 290, not related. The fact that we just found out while we're recording this, that, uh, I mentioned his name by accident, which made me start thinking about it and GSP returning to some sort of combat action. I don't know if you know this yet, but uh, he he announced today, and UFC announced today, that he is actually returning to uh, Fight Pass, um, Fight Pass International. He's fighting again on December 14th. Fighting? Returning. Yeah, he's fighting. MMA? Like, not, not you. I, well, I don't know if it's grap. I think it's grappling. But... Oh, you're talking about the Fight Pass Invitational. Yes, yes. Got yes, you. Yes. That's hilarious. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah, I would love to see GSP in a grappling match. Did they announce yes. his opponent? No, they haven't announced yet. They just announced he was returning. They made this whole big thing today during That's the uh, press conference at, at 290. And uh, he's back. So now I want to ask you, because <laughs> why not, right? Why not bring throw, his name, throw his name in the mix? Here? <laughs> exactly. Do you see any situation that after this invitational maybe another invitational after that, that he wants to come back into the octagon? Or you think that this is only grappling related and a couple little things here and there, and then that's it. You think he's got the fire in him to come back? Or you think this is just like a one and done thing? My thing is, why would you, right? Like there was the perfect yeah, right? opportunity against uh, Michael Bisping to come back and win a belt. Um, I thought he looked vulnerable in that fight, right? And that was a couple years yeah. ago now. So, I don't see him coming back in any striking-related combat sport. I'm not surprised by this, though. I think this, he's someone that's really challenged himself in the grappling, training with the Donaher Def Squad before they became the Donaher Def Squad, right? Before they became infamous uh, for sort of being these BJJ savants that they are. Um, he was always a part of that crew. So not surprised at all by this. He has a nasty rear naked choke. He also has some really good offensive and defensive wrestling. Um, so it might be a shitty grappling match. Like it might kind of suck. Uh, but especially if he's facing someone that's actually good at grappling, like an actual grappler, uh, that could be, uh, either a stalemate or just uh, outright bad for GSP. Um, but I don't see the reason why, like, I don't know him coming back to fight. Is he, I don't see that happening or, or coming back to, to challenge, um, Leon Edwards, yeah, I don't really see that happening either. But who knows? Maybe uh, UFC 300, we get GSP versus Khabib. Yeah, I'll take that over Zuck and Elon, like the rumors are. <laughs> and I hope oh, that fight man. never happens. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't think GSP would ever go back in the octagon again because I think he hated getting punched in the face. Like, who the hell would like who who likes that? Who likes, who that? likes <laughs> go throwing that camp and just to you know be like ask you can't even touch your own face because it hurts so bad and gsp has been through some crazy ones and mm -hmm. uh you know i think every now and then he gets like the fire in him and that little itch to be like i you know what i want to grapple again i want to fight again because i'm i'm the best at it i'm one of the best in the world and mm -hmm. i believe when he came back to fight bisping at a weight class never fought heavier he looked brolic as all hell you know like and he the fact that he won 
I think that was like a statement itself. And you, you know him. He even after all that, he was on top of the UFC world, and he was still like, "I ain't coming back." <laughs> yep. That was a one-time thing. <laughs> so that's why I think this is just something for him to have fun with, and the UFC is kind of grabbing at it. Like we can we can promote it, get more clicks for us as well. And mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm excited for GSP. I, I'm, of course, I'm gonna watch it because you know, like, why wouldn't you ever not watch a legend fight? Or grapple or whatever. I don't care if they freaking do tug of war. I, I I don't care if they're playing dumb war. I'll watch it. Like, you know, you're never not gonna watch a legend out there. So I'm excited for it. I don't think he returns back to the octagon. I know people are gonna immediately jump to, oh my god, I can't wait till 2024 when he's fighting Leon Edwards. It's never gonna happen. I'm excited for it though, that they made this huge thing, huge thing for GSP, and uh, I wish they would have done it during 289. Felt like that would have been huge in Vancouver, in Canada. You could have blown the roof off that place. But mm-hmm. regardless, it is exciting. But I'm I'm focused now on 290. 290 is gonna be crazy. And then we focus on the, the fight nights and 291. Man, these upcoming cards are so 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 good. I can't wait to get in, into it with you, brother. Heck yeah, man. We got <clears throat> a lot to look forward to. You were in rave, rare form today, brother, I might add. Holy shit. Thumb, <laughs> GSP Thumb Wars. Sign up in the chat. Uh, we'll definitely right. get that. <laughs> we'll get a sponsor. We'll make it happen. That was awesome, dude. Yes. Um, please make sure that you let them know where they could find you as well as any other things you may have going on at the moment. Yeah, no, you can uh, find me on, on Twitter. Uh, if, you, if you're tired of me saying the same old thing, I'll say it again, though. You can find me at Sean Egron 26 on Twitter. It is me again. Uh, I was hacked once, but I am back. And then you could uh, find me at BS Reports or BSReports.org. That's my website. If you're ever interested in writing, you know, for your favorite team, your favorite player, anything sports-related, anything at all, you could, you could write about a hole-in-one that you thought you had in a dream. I don't care. Come to me, and I will absolutely get you out there and and promote you and help you and get you to writing or if even if you want to put your podcast on there anything you want just reach out to me and i will always help you with with your sports writing outside of sports career whatever you want you heard the man make sure you're following him on all platforms as well as checking out that website i need to stop being a bs reporter i need to get on that website as well so i know i keep saying that i promise it's gonna happen it's in the works uh, but make sure that you check out OTS Media on all uh, social media platforms, OTS Media Co. on YouTube. Um, just a lot of great stuff happening. Had a snafu, had a had a had a had an episode we fully recorded that we weren't able to get out. Uh, so who knows? Maybe we'll get a bonus episode later this week if I'm able to figure that out. Still efforting um, to try to figure that out. But crazy, crazy times come with crazy things. Uh, but. Uh, we all take them as learning lessons, right? So thank you so much for all the support, man. It's been overwhelming. I've been really um, kind of blown away by how much, um, especially the stuff with you, man. I don't know. You might be a star over here at OTS or something because ever since you've been on the board, man, we've been getting consistent views, especially on YouTube. So thank you guys so much for checking us out. And please make sure to let us know how we could help you, right? Let us know what you want to see. Let us know the kind of content you want, and we will deliver it. But with all that being said, make sure you're tuned in for 290 because it's going to be fucking wild. Can't wait to see you there in Long Island, brother. You guys have a good one, man. Peace.